Today on Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman, we discuss how following the science was never really about the science. And we'll see that with a story about a Christian doctor who's being ordered not to save babies, while Governor Ron DeSantis passes legislation forbidding anti-scientific gender ideology. And then we'll discuss how all the PR madness of our culture is changing the way at least one megachurch pastor views infidelity. All that and more on today's show. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and or listening to the show today. You can go the extra mile. We are just one day past Valentine's Day, so sharing is caring. You can show the love by liking and or sharing this, uh, this podcast with other people. Now, uh, I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. I, I heard one person say that if you didn't like the outcome of the Super Bowl, then you were probably a resident of Cincinnati since nobody else in the country was rooting for the Bengals. Now, I don't know that to be the case. That could just simply be misinformation. I will check on that and get back to you guys and let you know as soon as I possibly can. But needless to say, um, I thought the game overall was was a pretty good game and um, if you came away complaining about it I don't understand why you watch the Super Bowl quite frankly anymore if that's all you want to do um, and and I personally thought as I watched it I it wasn't as woke as I was expecting it to be uh, it, it's wokeism on steroids these days and the Super Bowl and the NFL uh, is uh, you know chief center among the the, the wokesters but uh, but I really thought it was a little bit toned down now of course there was some commotion about uh, a singer whose name was not correct on the on the screen, and I I really I won't pronounce the name because I will mess it up, and I also don't care. But I really think the problem was that nobody knew who the person was at all who was doing the national anthem or singing uh, the other song. And of course, there was a black national anthem, which was just great to make sure that we can ensure that tribalism is still intact in our country. Then we had the woke Google ad, you know, saying that it's going to undo past systemic racism of technology and phones in the past who didn't take great pictures of of black people. So uh, we see once again, grifting is still in vogue and you know, is something that uh, that pe- that people and corporations believe that they can get money from, but ultimately, I was really surprised by how unwoke all of it was. I guess too, you could mention Eminem's little kneel, which was homage to Colin Kaepernick. Um, but but ultimately, I was surprised with how uh, much of a throwback it was actually to the '90s, and especially the the halftime show with some of those artists who are really not even relevant anymore, but uh, but are, are from the 90s. And then you had all of those commercials like Cable Guy and that kind of thing sim- simply from the 90s. And, and I can only imagine that those who were responsible for putting this thing together, for producing the Super Bowl, were interested in, in helping us forget the lunatic policies of the left that have been inundating blue cities recently and for the past two years, quite frankly. Uh, they wanted us to forget about that and think of days gone by. I guess they thought that we'd forget about it, too, when we saw every single celebrity that they showed on camera not wearing a mask at all, and then just showing the children's choir that they had uh, during the Black National Anthem, uh, masking while the singers were totally unmasked. So apparently we're supposed to forget that masking is a thing unless it's to abuse our children. So needless to say, uh, I, I, I think that all of it was just this big kind of homage to the 90s and this hope that we would forget what's just recently 
taking place in our country and the politicization of COVID. And we'll get to the follow the science crowd here in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to make sure to mention that our show today is sponsored by the Kevin Blair team over at Element Funding. Now, I don't know if you have this problem with your kids, but my kids sometimes drag their feet, and the main reason I want them not to drag their feet is, yes, so that they'll walk like normal human beings, but more importantly, because those shoes cost money, people, and I don't want them scuffing up the shoes that I bought them. I want them to last for as long as possible, at least until their toes break out of the shoes, and that is the reason why I have to buy them new shoes, not because they were scraping them across the ground. And as you can tell from that analogy, the reason I don't want them to drag their feet is because it costs money. And by now, you are already aware of the fact that rate hikes are coming. So if you've been dragging your feet on getting a new home or refinancing your home and making sure that you're pre-qualified for a home, it is going to cost you money. So now is the time before things go crazy and march to go over to kevinblairteam.com to pre-qualify for a home and see what great interest rate you can get from our friends over there. They will serve you well, and even if the Kevin Blair team doesn't directly serve your area, they can help you find an element funding that does. So go on over to kevinblairteam.com today and let them know that Andy Thinker sent you. So as I stated before, it just seemed like the specials at the Super Bowl thought that we would all forget about the fact that they're the ones who have been force-feeding, cramming, masking down our throats. And I, I'm only imagining that they did those throwbacks to the 90s so that they could forget that they were the follow the science crowd. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today to set up the rest of the show. So follow the science, as we all know, has been this clarion call of the left in, in these days. And all the while, the left is backpedaling on many of their original contentions surrounding COVID, like the last blue cities in America right now are ending their fascistic mask mandates and removing their segregation policies around vaccine cards. All the while, we hear the experts finally tell us perfectly obvious things that many of us knew months into the pandemic that is now two years old, that social distancing is arbitrary, cloth masks are not that effective against Omicron especially, and that the vaccinated can still get COVID. So I think it's only right to offer this free Christian service to those of you on the left who are scratching your head right now and wondering why many don't believe you when you say follow the science. It could be assumed that it's because the left has totally lost credibility on the science front because they say things like men can get pregnant and that life in the womb is a cluster of cells, but that would take self-awareness. And we all know self-awareness is only good for picking your gender at five years old. So here's just one headline that shows why follow the science is such a lame phrase. From the Democracy Dies in Darkness, Washington Post, we read a headline, follow the science. As the third year of the pandemic begins, a simple slogan becomes a political weapon. So here's some help. This supposedly simple slogan is simple in that it's trite. It is not simple in that it's totally dishonest. So first of all, science is not a prescription for policy. It is merely a tool. So it's something that helps us kind of discern one aspect of things. But there, of course, there's economic concerns and even suicide concerns and childhood development concerns with all of the policies that have been surrounding COVID. And in science, medical science specifically, is only one aspect of the big picture. Second, science is almost always a tool of probability rather than guarantees. For instance, science can show you the likelihood of a vaccinated person being protected from death, but it cannot guarantee 
nor can it guarantee that if you are unvaccinated that you will die. Most importantly, the science is a form of misinformation itself because the science does not exist. There is no such thing as one all-knowing, omnipotent, inerrant science. Science is a game of factuals and counterfactuals and weighing them. That's it. So when articles come out with headlines that say 270 doctors criticize Joe Rogan, it doesn't mean that they offer robust and point-for-point arguments against people like Robert Malone and Peter McCullough. No, it just means that they're scared that people might actually see the other side of science, which, by the way, is what scientists do. There is no board of scientists who meet every year to declare the science. This is a good thing because science should constantly be questioned and is never settled because human beings are flawed and therefore should be constantly questioned. Yes, even Fauci. The headline, therefore, should read more like this. Among the almost 1 million doctors in America and the 9 million doctors around the world, 0.0001% of the experts claim that Rogan is operating in misinformation. So the kind of science that comes from follow the science is more of a philosophy than actual a, science, a scientific endeavor. The philosophy of scientism suggests that science alone is capable of making truth claims. You see this religious scientism in people like Sam Harris, who to date is very smart, but has never produced a single effective argument against God's existence. The problem is these men are constantly butting up against the harsh reality that there is no science that disproves God's existence. In fact, science owes much of its existence to Christians of the past who believed that scientific endeavor was only possible because they believed to see law in nature, because they believed in a lawgiver. Yet these science couldn't give you a 100% proof of God's existence. What they could give is evidence for God's existence, and when done correctly, you have, a, like a puzzle, a plausible conclusion that you can draw. And that is what science gives us. Certainly powerful and more useful than some wish to deem it. Science is good, but it is not a cudgel to beat others into submission. This is the real reason many have a problem with follow the science. It's said by those who wish to silence others more than to engage in fact-based conversations. So when you're silent on skyrocketing suicide rates, harsh economic realities facing Americans from totalitarians, the curious question of childhood development in an age of social distancing and mask wearing, these lovers of science should be less concerned with those on the right and go find a mirror. And I'll show you why they desperately need one today in our headlines. Let's jump into it. So according to the Christian Post, a Christian doctor challenges an order banning him from saving babies. So I have to sidebar for just a moment and say, this is the reason I do this show, is stories like this seem almost unbelievable. And, and the average person does not know that this kind of stuff is going on. While we here in the States are coming up with ridiculous slogans like, my body, my choice, there are women who are actually trying to save their babies and doctors are being banned from doing so because the abortion lobby is so incredibly radical around the world and in our own our own borders. And then we have pastors who step back and say, oh, well, you don't have to be political or to, to be pro-life, you don't need to be political. And, you know, you can vote any way that your conscience leads you. And the reality is, is while we would all agree that Jesus is neither Republican nor Democrat, the life of babies depends upon whatever tool is at your disposal that freedom of conscience gives way to the reality of truth and scripture. 
And scripture demands that we take a proactive approach to this kind of stuff. And when we see stories like this, I'm hoping, I am hoping that we are not so used to sticking our head in the sand that we have become accustomed to the darkness, but that we can actually open our eyes and see the light. So let's jump into this disgusting story. So a high court in the UK is scheduled to hear the case of a Christian doctor who has been banned from providing life-saving treatment for unborn babies. The doctor is asking the court to revoke the order by medical regulator. On Thursday, the Royal Courts of Justice will hear the case of Dr. Dermot Kearney, a former president of the Catholic Medical Association who works for Britain's National Health Service. So already there you can see that this guy is well-reputed and works for the National Health Service, so he's not like some quack. Um, But it goes on to say this, that it said the Christian Legal Center, which is supporting the doctor, Last May, an interim orders tribunal blocked Kearney from providing emergency abortion pill reversal treatment for up to 18 months after the abortion provider MSI Reproductive Choices UK, previously known as Marie Stopes International, filed a complaint to the General Medical Council, the Daily Mail reported. Okay, so we got to just stop right there and just say, all right, so what he's doing is he has... uh, uh, along with other doctors, developed an approach for trying to reverse the abortion pill's effects. Now, it'll go on and tell us that the way that, that they do this is by administering um, some some hormones, uh, progesterone, to a pregnant woman, and it has been proven to actually be relatively effective to try to help save the life of the baby. But of course, this radical organization is coming behind this doctor who is aiding these patients, these women who want to reverse the abortion pill's effects once they have second thoughts about this, uh, this this radical activist organization is coming behind this doctor and trying to uh, file a complaint against him for, for doing this. Why not because they have some medical concerns, or if they do, they're just thrown up there as a smokescreen from their actual real vile devilish agenda, which is to make sure that abortion is free, legal, and capable at any term of a person's pregnancy. So, so why would MSI, this reproductive, supposedly, uh, choice organization, want to stop this doctor from performing this procedure? Well, the, it goes on to say the abortion provider claimed in the complaint that Dr. Kearney prescribed a treatment that has no evidence for base. Now, we have to stop right there. So their problem is not that it has negative effects, but that they're saying that this hormone has no evidence to work. Now, why would they care? Let's think about this for a minute. We don't even need Jeopardy music because it will take you all of about two seconds to come up with the conclusion. They don't want it to work, so why would they care if it works? Well, the answer is is they don't. The real answer is is don't fall for the lies. Don't fall for the, the nonsense medical assertion here. What they actually want to do is they want to insist upon the right of an individual to have an abortion, and they will not allow for anybody to undermine that right, even if it is against the rights of women who are saying, I I have second thoughts, I have doubts, I want to keep my baby after all. Is there anything we can do to reverse the decision I just made? Well, this doctor is going in and offering this treatment that supposedly has no evidence of working when, again, these guys don't care if it works. They want it not to work. They want the babies to be aborted. 
So it's, it's, it's a false claim, suffice to say. Now, I say this all because I hope we're really, really careful when we read things. So it's one thing to say this is a risky procedure. It's one, another thing to say this could risk the mother's life, right? Uh, this is the one thing we quote here in the States very often, rape and incest. But of course, that's not what we're talking about here, even though we don't have to give in to that ground either, because it's never the baby's fault when a mother is raped um, or there's incest involved. It's never the baby's fault. And so we don't have to charge the baby with a crime by by murdering it. And so the so back to the point here is this thing continues, this story continues to go on. Sue Turner, director of Physicians for Life, told the Christian Post in an earlier interview that if a pregnant woman who has taken the first two abortion pills decides she's made a mistake and wants to have her baby, she would have a relatively high chance of delivering a healthy baby if she wanted to undergo reversal. Now, counter evidence actually being provided from the false claim that we don't know if it works. Now we have counter evidence being uh, provided that it actually has a high likelihood of working. So not only is the is the initial claim of MSI who wants to stop this doctor from saving babies totally erroneous and ridiculous, the opposite is actually true, and it, and it states here what is the likelihood of this actually working. Well, of course, it's way too high for MSI to stand by and idly watch, because uh, according to the Christian Post, its quote says, Turner cited a U.S. study showing 64 to 68% success rate of delivering a healthy baby after a woman has been given the natural hormone, progesterone, that's essential to maintaining a healthy pregnancy. So not only is this hormone effective and works in reversing the abortion pill, but it actually is an essential hormone in healthy pregnancies. So it's actually very good for pregnant women. But here is the real point at the end of the day. This isn't honest. Uh, MSI is not operating with even the smallest vestige or veneer of honesty because the follow the science crowd doesn't care about the truth. They care about their agenda because the story goes on to say one last thing that I think is important for you to hear. MSI Reproductive Choices UK used the testimony of a woman, a mother in her 40s who has not been identified by the Daily Mail who had sought help from Kearney after she started a pills-by-post abortion, but then changed her mind. However, progesterone failed to work, and she suffered a miscarriage the day after taking the abortion pill. The woman now says that she felt MSI had twisted her experience with Kearney to suit its complaint and felt pressured to criticize him. So once again, we have to be careful of the follow the science crowd who wishes merely to use science as a cudgel to twist it around and to make it say whatever they want it to say rather than to actually tell the truth. When there's an agenda behind this, it is clear that follow the science is merely a propagandistic tool to make people, to make people shut up and to make people blind to the fact that that there are counterfactuals that need to be considered in all of these things. But you're not going to get that from the mainstream media today. You're certainly not going to get it from uh, from legacy journalism. What they're going to do is they're going to merely paint the picture that they want you to know. And in the process, it really is costing lives, but in the reverse way that you think. Because this is always the the arm twist of of the left, is that if you if you don't social distance, if you don't wear that cloth mask, it's going to cost lives. Well, in the meantime, we know for a fact that what the left does in the abortion lobby is costing lives, but they don't want to talk about that. Why? 
because they're not the follow the science crowd. They're the follow the propaganda and agenda crowd. If you don't believe that by now, I encourage you, look at the links below in, in this show and every single show that we do, and you read these stories for yourself, and you come away with an honest, thoughtful conclusion about what's really going on here. All right, let's jump into our next story. So Florida Senate committee passes a bill that is being labeled the Don't Say Gay Bill that would bar LGBTQ discussion in schools. So once again, the left is lying here because they're good at PR, but never good at telling the truth. And they will lie to get their revolution because this is not about actually banning conversation, right? This is the this is the talking point ever since this public school stuff started happening um, since COVID came around is that they're the book burners. Let them read and all of that nonsense. And what's actually happening here is not that the those on the right, conservatives in Florida, are banning conversation and denying the ability for those in the LGBTQIA plus carrot stick parentheses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to exist. They're denying our existence. They're not doing that. What they're what the bill actually suggests is that these conversations within schools should be had on an age-appropriate basis. So while the left wants to totally flip the definition of obesity and call it pod, body positivity. Uh, they, they would cry out the moment a Bible shows up in a teacher's curriculum, but they can teach fourth grade boys to wear dresses and we're supposed to sit back and say, hey, that's okay. So this bill is obviously intended to protect parents' rights, which actually the school board should be about, but of course they aren't anymore because they're more about wokeism than they are taking care of children. And that is clearly evidenced by uh, any school district that is still masking children. We'll get into this in just a minute, uh, COVID and kids. But uh, suffice to say, this doesn't have anything to do with an attack on science. It doesn't have anything to do with the attack of, of the existence of those who are in the LGBTQIA plus community to exist. This really has to do with a simple fact that we've seeded over education of our children about these very, very sensitive and important topics to the public school system. Now, while I want to be clear that there are teachers who are absolute heroes, who sacrifice, who take money out of their own pocket to, to buy things for their classroom and all of that stuff, and those teachers are to be commended, it doesn't deny the existence of really incompetent and horrible teachers that don't even accomplish the, the, uh, the fact of teaching kids to read or science or basic principles like math. And the education system in America is showing the fruit of, of, of that kind of labor, quite frankly. So if there's a kid anywhere in America that doesn't know how to read and we're talking about this kind of stuff, there's obviously a misappropriation of priorities in the public school system because it's been inundated by radical leftist ideology. Furthermore, even if you didn't buy all of that, here's the one thing that I would say to you. Here's the moral of the story at the end of the day is that we never, as parents, should have ceded the ground of teaching our precious children about sex education. It doesn't need to be in the public school system at all. It is something that needs to happen for that parents need to do. And I always hear this argument from, from, from people, especially those on the left, that, well, if parents were doing this kind of stuff, we wouldn't have to do it as teachers. Well, here's the big problem with that. Unfortunately, the way things work is that when you start doing it, parents think, well, they're going to get it at school. Now, that is the most negligent and ignorant thing that you could possibly say about your kids. 
But if we just roll the tape back a little bit, all the way back in the 50s and the 60s, when we allowed sex education to start taking place in the public school system, parents made a huge boo-boo. They made a huge mistake. And now they think it's not their responsibility to take their young kids and have a birds and bees awkward conversation with them, which of course it is. Because there is not a single teacher that should be teaching this or is qualified to teach this nonsense to our children. And again, in Florida, they're not denying the fact that teachers could or should teach this. They're merely just saying, have age-appropriate conversations. Let's keep this nonsense out of elementary school and perhaps middle school. And I'm going to go even one step further and just be the, the, the religious zealot and say, uh, let's just keep it out of school entirely because you're never going to talk to my kid about this. And if you feel nervous about the fact that parents are up in arms about these kind of things and that teachers should have job security and that teachers are the experts, just know this. There's no better expert on the planet for my kid than me. And parents, you do right to stand behind governors like this and bills like this to say, you're not going to teach my kids this kind of nonsense. That's my job. Take your job back and quit allowing other people to do it for you. It's a parent's job. All right, let's jump into our final headline. So according to NBC News, Pfizer postpones FDA request for COVID vaccine for kids under five. Now, here's the deal. Um, I'm not going to rejoice or uh, lament this fact because my kids were never going to get this vaccine anyway. Um, now, maybe you wanted your kids to get that. And of course, that is your your decision to make for your own kids. But let's not pretend that follow the science crowd is actually following the science on this one because we know that kids are the ones who are the least likely to have negative effects from COVID. So let's dig into the article and we'll see this a little bit more. Pfizer Biotech is postponing its rolling application of the Food and Drug Administration to expand the use of its two-dose COVID-19 vaccine for children ages six months to four years old. The move means that vaccines from this age group will not be available in the coming weeks, a setback for parents eager to vaccinate their young children. Now, I'm a little bit unnerved by the fact that there are any parents that exist, but of course I know that there are, that are this eager to put an experimental vaccine inside of their children. Um, and, and here's the reason why, in case you think, well, that's, that's just right-wing denial of the science. Well, here's the real science. Even in this Yahoo Finance article that, uh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Yahoo leans incredibly radically left. Cori Bush loves them. I'm just joking about that, but she probably does. Um, even they can't deny the fact that statistics are very clear on this when it comes to kids. So here is this article by Yahoo Finance. We need to vaccinate more young people and kids, doctor urges. So only about 20% of children between ages 5 and 11 in the U.S. are fully vaccinated, despite COVID-19 vaccines being approved for this age group three months ago. So there, there aren't a lot of parents that are eager to do this, right? There's, there's a couple of loony bins out there who are eager to do it. And, and that's not me saying that. What I'm saying is, is that according to these statistics, only 20% of kids in the United States have gotten a COVID-19 vaccine if you're 5 to 11 years old. And the statistics don't get much better as you go further. Kids between 12 and 17, roughly half are vac vaccinated while just 20% are boosted. In other words, there are still millions of children vulnerable to COVID-19. But you see, that's okay that they're vulnerable to COVID-19 because they have a high, incredibly high likelihood 
of surviving it. Since COVID first hit in the U.S., over 12 million children have tested positive for the virus, according to the AAP. Less than 1% of the COVID cases among children have resulted in death. So 12 million COVID cases. And of course, there are probably more because these kids are operating, most of them. And by the way, both of my kids have had COVID and had maybe symptoms, very, very minor symptoms for a day. And then they were totally gone. Um, So many of these uh, cases are going undiagnosed. And so people, these kids get COVID and maybe they think it's the flu or something else or whatnot, or maybe they're even asymptomatic. So way more than 12 million children in the United States have had have had COVID, and yet less than 1% have have resulted in a fatality. And while, yes, I understand the emotional weaponization of the left, who would like to tell you, well, one child's death is too much. I mean, you get your kid vaccinated if you want to get your kid vaccinated, but at the end of the day, the, the statistics and the numbers are very clear. If you want to follow the science, children are highly, highly, highly unlikely to suffer exponentially from COVID. And of course, this, this I want to be um, fair here, this report will go on to say that there are kids who are suffering from more lasting effects of the infection, inflammation, and various other things. And then they give some number like 59 kids total have um, suffered fatally from these after effects. Now, I'd be willing to bet, but I do not know that the vast majority of those things could be tied to other causes as well. But nonetheless, we still see that the numbers are so increasingly and sparingly low that if we really want to follow the science, it may not be the worst thing in the world that kids that are under the age of five are not able to get this COVID vaccine. And the real question is not, when can my kid get the vaccine? The real question at this point in time is why did Pfizer pull their request to get this thing approved for kids. And so we go back to our NBC article and it says this, two people familiar with the FDA's plans said that there had already been a lot of pushback on the agency from outside experts who had concerns that Pfizer's data wasn't sufficient. The experts felt one of the people said that their concerns were falling on deaf ears within the agency. Now I could keep on reading for you, but I think you get the gist of this, is that the reason that this application was pulled is is for really good reasons, is for good ground, is that they're not positive that this thing actually is effective in fighting COVID and effective in protecting children from COVID who are of this age. And so here's the real thing at the end of the day. It's not because I'm for vaccines and my kids are vaccinated uh, for many other things. But here's the question, is with this experimental vaccine that may or may not have the necessary requirements to be approved, how eager should we be to vaccinate our kids? And that's the real question at the end of the day is, is that not only do we protect our kids as parents and do we have to make decisions for them, but all of us make decisions based upon pros and cons. And yes, we look at the one hand and say vaccines are effective. And we look at the other hand and we say, yes, but kids are not really being effective ad- affected adversely unless they have comorbidities. So the pros and cons here of this experimental vaccine and kids that are very likely to experience mild symptoms of COVID and which one should we choose? And that balancing act is being villainized by people on the left very often. And it is the reality of where we lived and what the follow the science crowd is not willing to admit is that every decision that we make in life has to be balanced with factuals 
and counterfactuals. Otherwise, you're merely cherry picking, which is not following the science at all. All right, let's jump into our final segment, Christianity Not Today. So I tread cautiously into the story that I'm about to tell you about Tavner Smith and Venue Church and what's going on there, because some people don't even know who he is. Um, he's a megachurch pastor in the area in which I live. Um, and I, most importantly, wanted to stay away from the story, not just because it hits close to home, but because I know that there's a lot of other pseudo-Christian journalists out there who have tackled this story, and they say they're doing it to restore the church, and they say they're doing it to build up the church, and really all they're doing is just trying to bring attention to themselves and trying to find the next salacious thing in the Christian church more often than not so they can blame evangelical Christianity for it, rather than the real problem at the end of the day, which whether it's on the left or right, is a, a... complete obliteration of biblical truth, which, by the way, places like Christianity Today and these other pseudo-journalists out there in the Christian world who want to try to um, paint with a broad brush when they go after these stories, very often care little for Scripture at all. Well, they say, well, we're journalists and we're not pastors or, or whatnot. But hey, listen, if you're in the business of restoring the church through the truth, then maybe you should actually care a little, at least a little bit about Scripture. So needless to say, I've been very careful to jump into this story because it hits home, but also because I want to make sure that I'm not pointing my finger at people because I know of Tavner, I know uh, I met him before, and I know people that know him. I want to be very careful um, because because I don't want to point my finger at people. I want to point my finger at ideas that I think deserve to be scrutinized and things that I think really do need to be discussed so that we can be careful and so that we can be discerning Christians, so that we don't fall for the my truth propaganda of the left or fall for the, the PR tactics of the left, which is to... You know, do like what we've been talking about in our theme to say today, which is to say, follow the science when they're not actually following the science. What they're doing is they're just trying to find whatever they can to reach and meet their narrative so that they can beat people over the head with that thing. So needless to say, I just want to dig into this story today to just kind of uncover some things that I think that are happening in the culture more broadly, but also specifically in the Christian church that need to be addressed and need to be Need to be uh, need to be looked at. So we're going to go again to the Christian Post today, and we're going to look at an article about um, Tavner Smith Venue Church. After months of headline grabbing drama, including repeated denials to his staff that he was engaged in an adulterous affair, Pastor Tavner Smith of Venue Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, confessed to his embattled congregation Sunday that he was involved in an inappropriate relationship. He asked for forgiveness as he returned to the pulpit after a brief sabbatical. So let me just first say, as humbly and as benevolently as I can, that I would suggest that Tavner Smith probably has his congregation and even people in the city where he pastors their forgiveness for the repeated lies that he told in trying to cover up what he's now admitting to. So he did, by the way, for those of you who don't know, he did the whole um, he did the whole Lance Armstrong thing. So his marriage broke up. He just said initially that this is what grace is for and that we've just been having difficulties in our marriage and it's breaking apart, and this is just kind of things that happens in in marriages, but of course no mention of another woman. 
And then he was caught red-handed a little bit later with this girl about 14 months into his divorce proceedings, not fully divorced, and about eight months into the divorce proceedings for this girl. And then, of course, he denied in his half-dressed state at his house when some fellow church members showed up that that he was actually having an affair, but that he had spilled something on his clothes. Now, whether that's true or not, um, we'll dig into that in just a moment. But needless to say, that, that was denied as well, and then he was directly confronted by people in his church about this. He denied that as well. And then finally goes on sabbatical, comes back and admits to to everything that, that he was having an inappropriate relationship. The extent of which we don't know because, so I want to be fair about that, we don't know the extent of that. But the reason we don't know is because repeatedly throughout this whole scenario, Tavner has not come out and told the full truth. He has merely apologized for an inappropriate relationship while not elaborating as to what that actually means. Moreover, the bigger problem here is that he is apologizing for this, and he doesn't need to apologize to his congregation. He needs to apologize to his wife, and he needs to apologize to this girl's husband, and he needs to apologize to this woman, and then he needs to step down from his church. And that's the real issue here is he's apologizing, which is fine, but he has disqualified himself biblically from ministry after all of these goings on, not only for the repeated lies and the dismissal of these things, but more importantly for the unwise behavior. So let's take a benevolent look here and let's just say all of these stories have been misconstrued and that Tavner, after he had a divorce and after this girl just coincidentally had a divorce, that they decided to to hook up and that everything has been, you know, misconstrued and that nothing happened to actually break these marriages up when these people were married. And that actually everything that's going on right now, it's just because I had an inappropriate relationship because I wasn't divorced yet and I was doing these things. And, and that's really what's going on here, even if that were the case. So that's the most charitable thing that you could say here. The real problem is, is that the behavior of this pastor is totally unwise and still disqualifies him for ministry. Now, the real reason that I wanted to jump in this story, and the real reason I felt compelled to do it, even though I had resisted it for a long time, because this has been all over Christian Christian Post and Christianity Today and other places, the real reason I wanted to jump in it is because on my way to the studio today, I passed by the church and... In big, bold letters on the side of the church, it says, No Perfect People Allowed. Now, this is a slogan that's often quoted in in churches far and wide. So this is not new to Tavner Smith. However, the irony of that being posted on the side of his church got me thinking that I think it's time that, that I said something about this. One, it bothers me that we jump into such platitudinal Christianity so often. Uh, No perfect people allowed. Well, there's no perfect people ever, so everyone's invited to come here. But the real problem is this, is, is that that PR campaign... That platitudinal Christianity uh, that that paints this picture that sin is is the name of the game for all of us here. We're all sinners, and we're all trapped in sin, and we're all just trying to seek forgiveness from God, which is not the gospel. The gospel is Romans 7, Romans 9, that we were slaves to sin, but we've been redeemed from sin, so that we're no longer slaves to it, but it's a slave to us. So not only is that an issue, but here's the real issue— is that even if we're to take that that slogany slogany statement and just say this church is open to all not perfect people. Well, yes. Specifically, the seats 
are available for people who aren't perfect. However, the stage is a different story. No, there's no perfect pastors, but there is a classification, a qualification for a pastor that actually has nothing to do with seminary. It has more to do with morality. And once those qualifications have been violated, it doesn't matter how much grace we bestow or forgiveness we bestow as a congregation upon a pastor, that pastor should gracefully step down and do the biblical thing, which is to allow his congregation to be led by a healthy leader, who at least is not going through all of these divorce proceedings, who needs to take a sabbatical in the midst of accusations and constant reports from the media about extramarital affairs. No, what needs to happen in this situation is, yes, a pastor needs to be loved, a pastor needs to be restored, and a pastor needs to graciously step down. Along the way, there was a sermon that was preached at this church, too, talking about forgetting about the past and reclaiming the future. And the reason I bring that up is this, is that this is something we say as Christians all the time, that we're supposed to forget our past, that that our, that our past is behind us, that we're not supposed to look at the past, we're supposed to look at the future. That is as long as we have addressed the sin from the past that is still walking with us into our future. So do you see how this works? I bring that up because... Because that was preached in in that church, that message was, by somebody other than the pastor, by the way, which sure seems to say the wounds and the scars and the pain of specifically this pastor's wife and this other woman's husband and everybody else that's left in the wake of this tragedy, well, forget about that. We're just going to move on into the future. When, when I guess what I'm trying to say at the end of the day is that attempt— seems to me a dishonest attempt to try to rephrase Christian truth in the most dishonest light possible for propagandistic purposes, to try to to use these clever cliches to move us further and further away from biblical truth. Now, if the cliche is in keeping with Scripture, fine, use the cliche. But if it's violating Christian Scripture, then we need to be ever so careful. The moral of the story is just simply this. Don't fall for talking points, whether it's the follow the science left or the Christian who wants to talk all about forgiveness but not really address sin, who wants to treat God as though he were merely all about love but not about truth. So the real story at the end of the day is whether it's the follow the science left crowd or the just grace and no truth crowd even though I know there's a scripture in the Bible that says something about God being full of grace and truth, but nonetheless, whatever propagandistic idea, whatever agenda is being used to help suspend the thinking process, we need to be careful of it. We need to be discerning. We need discernment more so than ever in this day and age because the propaganda machine, the PR machine, is stronger than it has ever been. And If it's happening in the church, as we see it is in this story, perhaps we need to pay attention to the canary in the coal mine. Perhaps we need to pay attention to the creeping leftism, the creeping progressivism, the move away from biblical standards and the move away from biblical truth as an indication that the leftism of our culture is creeping in to our fundamental institutions and something needs to be done about it. The reason I am vocal is because I believe that God gave us a voice for a reason, and silence is a lie if you've got something to say. So we need not to just allow platitudes of graciousness to over 
simplify the truth that is right before our very face. We need to address it, and we need to confront it, and we don't need to be manipulated by those who would try to twist and contort facts to their own, for their own benefit. So with that being said, your voice is important, but it's all that much more important when you think for yourself. So use it, and use it for good. More importantly, use it for the truth. And if you don't know what the truth is anymore, I do have a book to recommend to you. But we'll talk about that on our next episode. Thanks for watching. We'll check you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.